Welcome to episode four of Innovators and Creators. I'm your host, Sean Fry, Assistant Director of the Boone County Public Library. And today I'm out at Dark Wood Farms with Annie Woods, and we're discussing all the amazing things she is doing. And so first, just give us like a thumbnail, like what is Dark Wood Farms? Uh, I started the farm five years ago. Um, I was born and raised in Northern Kentucky and I had been living away from here for a while, okay. 10 years um, in various places. Um, but I was living in Seattle and I started working on an organic vegetable farm out there and just really fell in love with it and really wanted to do it myself. And I, in my mind, there was really no other place to go other than come back home to right. start my own farm. And so Darkwood Farm was just sort of an idea of, you know, I want to have a little farm where I grow organic vegetables that I can sell to people in the community. And um, I started out without even a shovel. <laughs> and here we are today. Um, I, it's just a it's a place that I've built to to grow food. And it's kind of turned into an interesting project in you know, like connecting people more to the food system. So, so. it's starting to kind of go beyond. Yeah, kind of that, get... that wasn't really my expectation. Right. I just was like, you know, I want to grow vegetables and um, I'll sell them so that I don't have to have another job to support right. my addiction to farming, really. Um, but what I found, just kind of like you guys when you got here today, like there's a, a lot of people just connect to being outside and right. being in nature. And, you know, I think people are realizing more and more how important food plays a role in, you know, their own health, but also kind of the health of the community that you live in as far as like, is this, is the farm adding to it or is it taking away from it? So to to go back to what you you originally said as far, okay, so you're out on the Northwest, which is just, it's hard to leave there. I I was out there for a year (laughs) and I was like, but it's also surreal. I mean, if if, if you're from the, this area, I guess you said the differences. So how did you go about learning? Like, like, you know, you had an interest, but how did yeah. you, like, you know, I think I could support well, myself. I think I could, yeah. you know, like. I've always really been interested in, like, the outdoors and ecology. I studied biology and ecology okay. in college. And I, part of the reason of being drawn to the Pacific Northwest is there's so many people that are really environmentally minded in the Pacific yes. Northwest. Yes. And people are already thinking about local food and buying from farmers and all that there. And so I was kind of really attracted to that. And I um, kind of went from being like a backyard gardener with a couple chickens in the right. middle, <laughs> you know, my, my backyard in Seattle to wanting to learn more and visiting farms. And then I kind of one day just was like, what am I like, why don't I just go work on a farm and mm-hmm. see if this is something that I actually really want to want to do? And I was hooked pretty immediately. You realized that was. Yeah. And so your your first, like, farm experience was out west? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, uh, growing up here in northern Kentucky in Boone County, I worked at McGlasson Farms okay. in Hebron down on River Road. Um, when I was a teenager, I worked in their farm stand. So I sold vegetables, but I really wasn't involved in any of the... You're in the, you're in the business, the business end. Yeah, it was just like the, you know, whatever, working, yeah. dealing with customers and selling apples and peaches and all that stuff out of their farm stand. So, you know, I had a little dabbling in it and my parents um, live right up the road from here. Um, and we, we always had a, pretty 
pretty big garden, maybe like a tenth of an acre in our backyard. Where So we right. grew corn and tomatoes and beans. But it was never something when I was a kid that I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to grow up to be a farmer. This, this is it, right? Really, I came to it more later in life when I started understanding how important it was to um, think about what I was eating and where I was getting my food from and just uh, kind of weaving all that together with sort of, you know, being a somebody who likes biology and the outdoors and it kind of all came together so how did you find i guess this site did was this your first site or did you have other sites no i when i first moved home i was on another property um some friends of my family um have property down um in bellevue bottoms right um so i had an acre there that i was leasing and i lived in a little trailer on the property um and then um they ended up selling that property and so I was looking for another place to to farm. So I was there for three years, and then I ended up here because I am friends with uh, a member of the family that owns this property. So you know, one of the, I would love to buy property, but I'm sure many people realize you know acreage in Boone County is right. only getting more and more expensive, and it's really hard to find a piece of flat land to farm that you can afford right. with the wages that come with farming. You know, right. uh, because so much of this county is rapidly being developed and flatland is great for putting, you know, yeah, subdivisions yes, for everything on. In, right? So, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of stuck in a little conundrum where I would like to buy land, but I can't really afford land right. because I'm a farmer, you know, but I, I want to farm. And the, so it, it's just worked out that to this point, um, leasing has been the best option for now, me. So. Now, how important do you think it is, or, or maybe it's not at all, to be living where you're working and to be on that same same land. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would want to do it if I didn't live on the... I mean, that's part of why I farm is because I can get up and be in this beautiful place and walk, right. you know, and yeah. keep an eye on everything. And everything changes so rapidly every day. Um, you know, the farm yesterday looked different than it does mm-hmm. today. We were just mowing in the cover crop. And so you and people come out and visit me maybe once a week or once a month. They're like, oh my gosh, it looks totally different out here. And I, I just feel like to be a good farmer, I really have to have my eyes on the land all the right, time. Right. Um, and part of the other reason that I do this is because I really love to eat (laughs) and I like eating my vegetables and I like being able to, you know, um, Lindsay and I today were, uh, working out there picking some chard and we just took a big bag of it, you know, over and ate it for lunch. And like, that's part of it too, is, you know, not having a, so you experience that connection. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, I think I, I think it makes me a better farmer to, to be here and, and be observing on a daily basis, you know, what's happening in, in the field. So, so. You, you mentioned to me that you have you have one acre. One acre, yeah. And that you said you grow over 60 different yeah. crops on this one acre. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's like, it's constant turnover. We call it succession planting. So okay. meaning like every month we're planting something new. So I plant, let's say, uh, some heads of lettuce in March. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm also starting some other ones in the greenhouse at the same time that will be planted out in April and then another set in May because, um, you know, it's not like you just plant the garden once and you're done. A lot of things, a lot of crops uh, grow really quickly and turn over really fast. And so you always have to be 
replacing it with something else. And so by the end of the season, we'll have planted this whole acre. Mm -hmm. We'll have planted it almost two times. So it kind of makes the one acre almost two acres of vegetables because, you know, everything that you're kind of looking at right now, our spring peas and our spring lettuces and beets and carrots will be gone by the middle of the summer and we'll put summer and fall crops in the place that they were earlier in the season. Okay. And you mentioned, and maybe you just meant overall, but do you notice year to year some crops will grow faster? Let's say one week or one year it's six weeks, the next yeah. week it's four. I mean, oh, yeah, so it really depends on what the weather's doing during the year. And every spring that I've done this have, has been different. And okay. every summer and every fall, you know, sometimes you get an early frost in mm-hmm. the beginning or middle of October. And so you're done with your tomatoes, you know, that kills the tomatoes. Sometimes it doesn't frost until the middle of November. So you keep picking until the first frost kills it. And, you know, this spring has been really quite variable, warm early, then cold for a long time and then warm again. And so some of the things that we planted didn't even, some things will just go past the stage you want them to be in Mm -hmm. and go past and set seed, you know, if the, if there's too much up and down with the temperature. So then you just have to leave it for next year? You just kind of chop it in and plant in the same spot and move on. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the risk of doing it. You're really kind of at the, at the whim of, of nature. And I mean, for some people that's really scary, but for me, that's just part of it, you know, like accepting that some things are out of your control. It's experience, and, right? Yeah. And you learn a lot from doing it from year to year and paying attention and, and learning. So what are the, what are the crops that are really reliable? Which are the ones that are very sensitive to weather fluctuations? And then you kind of have to make those decisions about, do I still want to plant the, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I really do want to eat right. some really amazing lettuce in the spring, but I know it can be really touchy, but you still do it anyway with the hope that you'll get something <laughs> out like of that. it. But the, what the hope? Yeah. Flyer on this. <laughs> so is there anything that you've planted, let's say like one year and you're like, I just can't do that again. I'm yeah. Kind of... Yeah. I mean, the first year I was like, well, I'm going to plant some broccoli and cauliflower and, um, cause you know, everybody likes those and they're great. But one of the things that you learn pretty quickly is um, like how much space and time do mm-hmm. certain crops take up in your garden and broccoli and cauliflower take up a lot of space. And they also are very sensitive to temperature fluctuations. So if okay. it's cool in the spring and then it heats up really fast, they'll like not make a beautiful head of broccoli. They'll make these like tiny little flower shoots and you don't get broccoli. And then you're like, well, dang, like I just took up a very big portion of the garden with this crop and I didn't get anything out of it so I stopped growing those after the first year even though I know people want to people want to eat them it just doesn't make sense for a farm my size to do it you know bigger farm you have more space great try it or if you live in a climate like the Pacific Northwest where it's more mild all through the season you can get a reliable crop out of it because you can't you're like at that point you're competing against too many things yeah the space the weather that you're just like that's yeah but then you know then there's other crops that we can grow well here in Kentucky, you know, stuff that likes heat in the summer. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's about finding like, what are the appropriate crops to grow? And then, and just, you're constantly learning them. This yeah. is, this is constant. Yeah. Evolution. And I mean, I like, I have a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> I try to keep track of what has happened every year, you know, how much I got of each crop so that I, I can make some informed decisions. So not just kind of looking and there's a lot of intuition that goes into it, but there's also a lot of like data and record keeping. You're doing as both. Well. You're, trust, yeah. you're trusting your yeah. gut feeling, but you're like, yeah. okay, this. Yeah, and a lot of people always ask me, you know, like, what do you do in the winter? Which is a very valid question, but it's like one of those 
questions that I hate getting because it's like, I don't know if people just think I'm like laying in bed all winter long or whatever, but there's still stuff to do in the winter for the farm. That's the time where I'm crunching all those numbers, putting my crop plan together, Mm -hmm. ordering my seeds, making sure all my tools are ready to go so that, you know, when Mm -hmm. the, when the winter breaks and it's time to get in the garden, I'm ready to go. Um, and you know, it's a lot of times too, where I'm trying to go to conferences or workshops and learn some more about farming. So it doesn't really stop. It slows down a lot in the winter. Um, but it's also, I I kind of compare it to like the opposite schedule of being a teacher, you know, like you're on Mm -hmm. for like, three quarters of the year, like hard, you know, right, and, right. and there's no break from it. And then you kind of get a little break. And for me, it's in the winter for teachers. It's in the summer. And that's that when you do like your professional development. Yeah. And your, yeah. And, and take your... a vacation. You know, I can't go to the beach in the middle of August because that's right. that'd, that'd all be the bad. tomatoes would just rot on, on the vine. Uh, if I left then, um, bad, yeah. yeah. Or, and you know, you can't like, you, the farm doesn't stop for holidays, you know, people will be like, what are you doing for the 4th of July? I'm like, well, I'm pick, I'm picking. I think I'll be here. I'll be doing some I'll fire some yeah. sparklers. I'll have some sparklers in my hand. I'll see the fireworks over here. Uh, do, but do you have, yeah. are you happy, or oh, happy is the right word. Is that, is it an advantage then not like having livestock as far as that's one more thing to, yeah, you can I mean, focus on your. Yeah, it, it's, you know, animals, when you raise animals, it's like twice a day. You have to be there for them, whether it's to milk them or let them out of their pen or their coop or whatever and put them back in. You know, you have to keep an eye on them to keep mm-hmm. predator, keep them safe from predators. And as much as I, I've, I've kept chickens in the past and I love it, but like, um, if you know, like for example, I used to do a farmer's market in the evening. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to be gone. Right. Right. <laughs> and so like, you know, if the raccoons realize that the farmer's not here at 7 PM, <laughs> you can come home to a completely clean out chicken coop. And so part of the reason I haven't done it is just like knowing that I, I can't be there every morning and every evening for the animals. But I have a lot of respect for people who do keep animals. And I think they're a really important when you're, when you're running like a kind of like holistic type farm, animals are important part of the equation because the manure and stuff is so valuable to building up your soil and you can take scrap vegetables that are ugly or Mm -hmm. have, you know, like bugs or whatever and feed them to your pigs or your chickens or whatever. And so you're kind of like keeping it in a kind of closed loop, right? You don't have Mm -hmm. to buy in compost and manure you can just generate it on the farm and and, you, and well that, that so. ties in a little bit of what you were explaining to me earlier when you were uh shoveling <laughs> you're knocking stuff out real quick well i stood and helped out not at all um but that you were explaining how how you're you i guess training the soil for lack of a yeah. better thing about to under, yeah like for water conservation right and for and could you just yeah. kind of explain a little bit about yeah i mean one of the things about when you're farming organically a lot of people in their mind just think it's like chemical free like you're not using pesticides or herbicides and that's true but a lot of organic farming is about um you're building the soil because mm-hmm. you can't necessarily feed the plant directly like with a a water-based fertilizer you're kind of relying on what's in the soil to feed the plants and so you're kind of nurturing the soil to do that and so you want to be able to make sure you keep a good uh even amount of water coming into the soil that it's nice and aerated and turned over, but also that you're putting stuff back into the soil. Cause if you're taking crops out constantly, mm-hmm. constantly, constantly, you're removing all, like, all the minerals and, and things that are in the vegetables came from the soil. So if you take them 
and give them to somebody in Cincinnati, you know, you're never going to get back. You have to get back. So you have to amend the soil with some minerals and compost and things to build the soil. And you actually are trying to promote life in the soil. So there's a whole ecosystem Mm -hmm. in the soil of bacteria and fungi. We we see earthworms, we see little beetles and stuff. And all of those things are breaking down dead matter in the soil and making them available to the plants. And so if we're taking care of the soil and taking care of that ecosystem, the plants are getting fed. Um, I had a farmer mentor who always, you know, used to say, you're giving the plant a life of choice. Like it's got Mm -hmm. everything in the soil it needs. It's going to be a strong and healthy plant, you know, that can kind of fight off pests and can fight off diseases because we can't rely on chemicals to do that for us in in organic farming. And so it's, it's kind of like a very holistic way of looking at, right. You know, I'm raising crops, but it's a lot to do with the soil. It's uh, a lot, a lot of thought. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no accidents out here, yeah. right? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, well, <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes you do things accidentally that work out and, or, or are bad, but yeah, that's yeah. all part of the learning process. So I guess, okay. So and a little bit about the learning process. So and, how, how many years have you been at this, this current this location? This is my second year here. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I moved on to this spot at the very beginning of March of um, last year, 2017. So just been here a little over a year. But this, this I'm entering into my fifth year farming, right. run, running a farm on my own. And I worked um, on farms for two years continuously before that. So, so. Is, the, is this site... Is it the way things grow? Is it much different here than when you're at Bellevue Bottoms? I mean, have you noticed like yeah, there's some differences. differences. Yeah, the soil's different. I mean, you know, the soil can be different right here than it can be on the other side of the lake. Right. And because the way that the soils are, and if you've ever looked at like a USGS map of soils, like they're just crazy. All yeah. the the soil was built by all these different outwashes and stuff from the glaciers and all these things, and so um, you definitely when you're moving on to a spot to start farming like that's a big component of it is what does the soil look like what am I going to be able to grow on these kind of and, soils and this obviously ties back to what you said when we started because you're talking about northern Kentucky and yeah. flatland being yeah uh, being very very difficult yeah and, and yeah so. it's really interesting though because I, I just feel like we are such the northern Kentucky is such an interesting area when you when you look at the geological history because we're so close to the river right. here and you know um, we have all these amazing, like there's a lot of gravel pits here. Well, it's because all the glaciers kind of mm-hmm. stopped and washed all these different kinds of rocks down here. And then the river was left behind when the glaciers retreated. And so we're in this like kind of really cool boundary net. People make a big deal about if you're from Ohio or from right. Kentucky. And I'm like, you know, actually there's some like geological right. reasons for that. The soil's very different. You know, yeah. a lot more of Ohio and Indiana and Illinois are flat and Kentucky's right. more like rolling hills. And a lot of that has to do with the geology. And it also changes what you can grow here. Mm-hmm. I mean, t- tobacco was a huge thing in right. Kentucky. And that's because you could grow a very valuable crop on a small acreage, you know. Right. And, and that makes sense for this landscape. But, you know, you go to a super, super wide open flat field in Ohio and it's maybe more suited for corn and soy and some of those things that you would do on larger acreages. So it all kind of like, you know, what we're doing is sort of driven by what the land looks like. So So. this is something that uh, obviously we don't rehearse our questions, but when they talk about um, growing hemp, is that 
Is that is the soil good for that? Is that is that an advantage of being in Kentucky? Is that kind of along the yeah. same lines of tobacco? Um, you know, I actually don't know that much about growing hemp, but there's definitely been a big push at the state level to make that something as a viable option for people as they're transitioning away from tobacco. And historically, a lot of hemp was grown in Kentucky, so it to me it would make sense that it it's a smart crop because right, right. before it's we had all the machinery and the chemicals and everything, people were able to grow a lot of it here yeah. and, and make it work. Um, so, um, yeah, I just personally don't know that, that much about it, but, um, it's been interesting too. I mean, along the lines of hemp, um, you know, I used to live in Washington state and I right. left there actually right when they legalized marijuana. And it's right. just like, as a farmer, it's really interesting to think about all these different states that are legalizing it either for right. medicinal or recreational yeah. uses. And like, how will that change what farmers are growing? And honestly, how profitable it can be to be a farmer. And I just don't think Kentucky's probably, I have no idea where we are as a state right, right. in that whole process, but I'm kind of like something that we as farmers, I think, have to be paying attention to um, because it's a changing world and changing laws. And Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not, it's, we're talking the business aspect. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you're taking your skills and you're applying them. And, yeah. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense on that. Like, and I guess I'm trying to transition a little bit too, is that, so how did you go, okay, you know, you, we talk, I asked you a lot about like land and finding the right spot, but then how did you go about building your business? Like, how'd you yeah. go about like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to go about, because what you do is yeah. you sell to a number of restaurants yes, and yep. then individuals. Those yes. are kind of, the, those yeah. are the two things. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I guess, do you grow them both kind of the same way or is it just like the soil? You, you do each one different. You know, it, um, well, when, so going back to when I first started, I was unsure of what I was going to be able to produce. You know, I was a brand new, I was brand new to running my own farm right. and I had grown up in Northern Kentucky, but I had been farming in the Pacific Northwest and I actually worked at another farm um, in Petaluma, California, out, mm -hmm. outside of San Francisco. So the different climates, different soils. And I was just like, well, I'm going to go home to Kentucky. I'm going to start this farm and I'll see what I can grow. And so to me, it made the most sense to just go to a farmer's market because then it wasn't like somebody was expecting you to have... right a certain thing, you You're know, there. whatever you yeah. grew that looked good, you could take to the farmer's market and whatever failed or looked ugly, you could leave it back on the farm and no one would know about it. Right. Right. Um, so, but you know, one of the issues with going to the farmer's market is, are people going to show up? You know, is there a Bengals game that day that used to affect our sales, yeah. you know? Um, or if it rains, people wouldn't show up. And so sometimes you'd pick all this beautiful stuff and take it to the market and, People wouldn't be there. I also they feel wouldn't like, be there I to buy it. I also feel like it. there's more competition, as in other farmers' markets. Yeah. I feel like there's, and I suppose that's a really yeah. good thing, but yeah. it's like people well, yeah. get divided. It's funny because farmers' markets can be really awesome, and more the more communities that have them to be able to serve the people that live, you know, in that certain neighborhood, it's great. But as a farmer, you're like, I can't go to 25 different farmers' right. markets, you know? Right. Um, so for farmers, sometimes having fewer around that you can focus your energy on and get more customers in one place at one time is a good thing rather than spreading yourself too thin. Um, so anyway, I, I did the farmers' markets for a couple of years, and I really enjoyed it, and I met a lot of people, and I met a lot of chefs, and so it kind of naturally evolved. So they're, out seeking, they're yeah. out seeking that product. Yeah, and so a lot of the chefs that are really interested in good ingredients and local food are out at those farmers markets seeing what's in season and meeting the farmers and so I met 
um, a few chefs the first year that started buying from me, and that kind of just got the ball rolling. And I, then I kind of picked up more and more restaurant sales, and certain chefs were telling their other chef friends about me and my farm. And so um, that kind of picked up a lot. And I will say that the um, other farms that I had worked on prior to moving home to Northern Kentucky sold to restaurants. And so I had kind of, I understood what does the product have to look like and how do you market it and how do you reach out to chefs so that they know what you've got. Um, and this is kind of what you're talking about, the culture uh, creating, it's, it, it takes yeah. a life of its own because yeah. you're already running into people who are seeking this yeah. and, and then they know other people seeking this yeah. and that's a whole different business. Yeah, yeah. And so I always, in the back of my mind, knew I wanted to um, also start a community-supported agriculture program, a CSA, which is, they're very prevalent, like, on the West Coast where I was living. Not that there are some here, but it's not as, like, well-known of an idea. So the idea with that is that people will sign up at the beginning of the year, and they, they pay, basically, to be a member of your farm at the beginning of the season. And that is a big help to us farmers because we shell out a lot of money at the beginning of the season to buy all of the supplies and seeds and equipment and stuff. And you don't have a crop to sell until we're just now getting to that point okay. at the beginning of May. So you have several months where you're buying stuff and you're working, but there's no money coming in the door. And so having a community supported agriculture program allows people to kind of pay upfront at the beginning of the season to support the farm. And then their payoff is, they get, you know, when it's yeah. veggie season, they're getting really great vegetables every single week throughout the season. And I knew in my mind I I wanted to move toward having that as a part of my farm. But the, the first couple years, I was like, I just have to make sure I know how to grow good enough vegetables. Because if people are expecting stuff every week, I have to have product. And, you know, I, I started out... Um, the first year, I think, with, like, 25 members because I was like, okay, 20, yeah. I can do 25. Like, um, I had a little bit of experience under my belt at that point. I knew I could produce enough vegetables every week for 25 people. And then I've slowly added on to it every year as I've gotten more comfortable as a farmer and with predicting, like, what, what I'll have and how much I have to grow to meet that those okay. needs. And so it really has shifted the first couple of years from, like, uh, let's see mm -hmm. what I have and I'll go to the farmer's market. It's no big deal if right. some of my stuff fails to like being a little more confident in what I can grow and what I can produce and then getting that support from people and, and knowing that I can, I can produce some nice things for them every week. So now at this point, the farm has a, uh, we have 50 members nice. okay. and it's start, our community supported agriculture program. The first box of veggies will go out next week. Um, and it'll go all the way through the beginning of November. And that's you personally, personally delivering them all? Or? Yeah, so um, it, the way that it works is um, we pack the boxes here, and then we have some neighborhood locations okay. around northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. And so then um, they come and pick up their box. They have like four hours. You know, they, if they pick up on a Thursday, they know they right. have from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. to go get their box. And normally it's like the home of one of our CSA members. Either they'll say, you can use my porch as a yeah, pickup yeah. spot or something. Some of the restaurants that we work with also allow us to drop the boxes up there. And so they, but they there, want so. that connection too. You yeah, know, they absolutely. Want, and they meeting other people and yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, it's really fun too to be able to let people know um, which of the you know which restaurants are supporting our farm too by buying from us every right. week because some people might not want a box of vegetables every week that might be kind of overwhelming for yeah. them but they want to support, support the yeah. farm in some way and I'm like well you know you can just choose to go to a certain restaurant that. 
right. that buys from us as well. It's, that's one way of supporting us. And, you know, um, it's really fun to see how our food gets transformed into these, like, really beautiful dishes at, at certain places. And some places are fancier and some places are yeah. not. It's really cool to see how different chefs approach, like, use, using the food on that their menus. So That is exciting. So yeah. you're, I guess your you're two groups that are purchasing are so they want the same things or you know oh yeah so like for the csa you have to really have a diversity of things because nobody wants to get the same thing every every week Um, i mean like unless you like know you eat like two heads of lettuce every week or something you kind of want something different from week to week so you can be cooking different meals and honestly the way the seasons are here we have different crops in the spring than we do the summer than we do the fall and so so you're providing a lot of variety just seasonal yes yeah every box that the people get it's like normally depending on the season it might be six to nine different items in there and I also give them a I send an email every week saying this is what you get and these are the different things that you can here's some different recipe ideas of ways that you can put these ingredients together. Um, But for the restaurants, some of them want consistency every week. You know, they want our salad mix every week because that's their salad that they put out. Um, But some of the restaurants really want whatever's at the peak of the season because they want to do a special, you know, they do different specials every week. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, for the CSA, now knowing I have 50 members, I know that whatever I plant, if it's going to go in the CSA, I have to be able to get, like 50 portions out of that planting and the restaurants are a little bit more like the farmer's market in that you can just be like hey this is what we have right now right what do you want they'll take that as a challenge yeah what can i cook with this and i'll I'll show you yeah yeah i think that's that drives some of the chefs are very creative people you know it's in my experience and that they they like the creative challenge of being like oh what do what do i have right now what can i put together to make something really delicious so sounds sounds like a food network show in the makings <laughs> i know <laughs> this is what this it is, is this week yeah, this is what we got we'll bring them all here to this beautiful location um so i guess kind of like so you've you've, you've gone this far you kind of had that vision it was, it was you're following your passion yeah. you, you enjoy this yeah because you you gotta love this this yeah. is it's a grind yeah, i'm sure something you know what i mean like you know, yeah. love it so where do you see this going beyond what you have now or are you just like hey you know 50 people and a, and a really good, you know, doing yeah. the best I can with these restaurants. I'm, I'm in a good place or yeah. what, what do you, what do you want for next? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like take over the world or anything. Ha- one or acre a, at a time. hundred acres. You know, I yeah. really like having a, a farm that's like a manageable size that I can see everything. What, what is manageable then for you? I mean, for me, I really like the one acre okay. and it's okay. like a nice round number, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I just would like to see more people feeling like they could do something like this as well. Whether it's just you're growing at home or it's a, somebody who's interested in farming that wants to be inspired to start their own farm. Like it's not, it is really hard work, but it's not, I think people get in mind that you have to have a giant piece of land and giant right. pieces of equipment and you, you don't. I mean, you can grow a lot of food on a very small parcel of land and so... Um, I'm not necessarily like somebody who thinks about five-year plans or 10-year plans right. or anything. So I don't, I don't quite know like where the farm will be in that time period, but I, I kind of like where we are now. I'm trying to grow as much as I possibly can on one acre. That's my challenge. I'm not trying to expand acreage at this point, but, um, it's been really fun in my journey of doing this, seeing other people come out here and be inspired 
by just seeing the farm and, and sort of feeling empowered that they could also grow some food. Um, and so I'm kind of thinking, you know, that's kind of the next step in my journey is like, how do we expose more people to like how you, how to start your own farm or how, how to grow food. And, um, um, I think it's pretty apparent that, you know, the number of farmland acres we have in this country are rapidly decreasing. The number of farmers we have is rapidly decreasing and the age of the average farmer is going up and up. And so um, I think if we want to produce our own food in our own communities, in our mm -hmm. own country, like we, ha we have to um, inspire some younger people to get into, to get into farming and so growing So what food. is, so someone, someone watching this and inspired by such, yeah. what is, I guess, I suppose the easiest isn't the right word, but what's yeah. the easiest way to get involved in yeah. and to, to, to try it out for yourself? I think that, um, I think the, the best way to learn is to go work on a farm mm -hmm. and that, and, and it's a little bit of a safety net in that you can learn from a farmer and kind of learn about it and see if it's like the right fit for you. Right. I mean, it's almost like the old time, like apprentice model, right? Like you're going and you're, you're just working really hard for somebody who knows what they're doing and, and learning that yeah. way. And there, yeah. And there are, you know, the, the surprising thing is like when I was in college, um, you know, you didn't, you never heard of like sustainable ag, sustainable agriculture programs, mm -hmm. but now a lot of schools are developing curriculum or even majors around sustainable agriculture. And like, you know, you can go to UK, you can go to some of these other schools and, you can learn about it in a school setting, but I think that it has to be definitely complemented with like hands-on experience. So is there, that you've witnessed, is there like a, I don't want to say going away from like large corporate farms, I'm not saying there's yeah. anything wrong with that, yeah. but like to, to encourage that, you know, it's okay to be on five acres or yeah. three acres or, you yeah. know, it doesn't need to yeah. be a, a 700 acre site with, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, this I, can be done here. I think so. And, w and I think we have like short term memory loss a little bit too, because if you go, I, Actually, I was in the main library a couple of years ago, and it's funny. I walked past this, like, Boone County mm -hmm. shelf, shelf of Boone County books mm -hmm. or whatever, and there was, like, an, I think it was, like, an 1890 census of Boone County, right. and I was like, oh, I just want to look in, in here, and I'm sure I'll see some last names that right. I know, you know, families that have been here for a long time, and the surprising thing to me was, you know, it, it shows what everybody's occupation is, and, you know, you're in maybe downtown historic Burlington and there's some like merchants and bankers and doctors, mm -hmm. but as it moves away from those little city centers, everybody that lived here was a farmer. Right. You know, they were like doing sustenance farming. Everybody had a little, you right. know, their family lived on a farm and raised food. And it's, so it's, we're not that many generations past from when people were doing this just yeah. to live or to li make a little bit of money. Um, and uh, it's just been in the last handful of decades that we've had farming has been done more on like a larger right. scale as we've developed technology to be able to, to do that. Um, so I think in some ways what I'm doing isn't like groundbreaking. It's just kind of hearkening back to an, something that people right. used to do all the time. But um, so I think there's a lot to learn from history, but like, you know, we just, it's just not something that we necessarily see on the landscape every day, just driving down the road. And mm -hmm. I think pushing yourself, if it's something you're interested in doing, like pushing yourself to get out and visit some farms, um, at whatever size scale, right, right. you know, you're interested in, because we're lucky where we live there, there's kind of a mix of mm -hmm. it all. 
Um, and you can get out and drive in a day to a small family farm, right. you know, or a larger farm or, or, or whatever. Um, so I was definitely inspired with this like 1890 census being like, yeah, yeah. this used to be like a county of farmers, you know? I don't, like you know, I don't know if we've had a lot of people inspired by a census. So I like, yeah. I like hearing that. I mean, we research <laughs> and we learn a lot, but you know, you're like, I'm fired up. I yeah. got to do this, like, this now. This is cool. Yeah, like, you farm, know, yeah. yeah well, that, that's like looking at old maps, you know, you yeah. see the big, large acreage yeah. that people had and yeah. you know, stuff like that. And you're like, what did you the do with all dots, that? little dots, like where yeah. the houses used yeah. to be too. And you know, I mean, I was reading a statistic somewhere that like less than one, you know, in the modern census, you know, less than 1% of people are farmers now. Right. And we, it used to be a large majority of people were farmers. It's, well, it's that, that disconnect too. Yeah. And, so it's, and I understand it because it's not an easy way to make money. And a lot of farmers don't make money. They're just doing it to hold on to their farm, you know? And, well, and it, you and I talked a little bit though about kind of the... So we'll say genius of your land here where you have many options to make you resilient yeah. to, to to negative downturns that could right. really hurt someone who's in farming right. for a living and referring yeah. to irrigation and, yeah. and then also, but also treating, yeah. teaching the crops to be yeah. resilient on their own too. Right. So it's all that and, pays off. And growing a diversity of crops so that if one thing fails, you're not totally, right. you haven't shot yourself in the foot, you know? Yeah. And that's a lesson that I've taken from nature, you know, like studying biology and ecology, diverse ecosystems are very resilient to mm -hmm. change. You know, it's when you have a monoculture, you know, or like just mm -hmm. one thing growing, you know, it, if the right disease comes in or a major weather event or something, it can wipe the whole thing out. And so just being diverse is a way of being resilient to change and dealing with, you know, any unexpected things that come up and, yeah. you know, you can apply that to a farm. You can apply that to businesses. You know I mean? People about like investing money, diversify your portfolio. Right. It's like, it's the same kind of across, you know, right. Right. Across the board. Um, for a wrap up, could you just explain a little bit kind of like, um, what what you have on your site here? So what? Yeah. I guess looking around, what what yeah. we see, and because because I think it's yeah. kind of ingenious, all the stuff that you've brought, yeah. and you know that you needed. So what? Yeah. So what do we what do we have here at your? your yeah. And you always say one acre. By the way, like it's like this real small. Like <laughs> I guess theoretically it sounds small until you look at it and you're like, wow, that's, that's a lot for one acre. You yeah. Know, well, okay. So the basics. If you're gonna set up your own farm, the very first year I purchased uh, the the parts to put up the greenhouse, which you might be. Yeah, I think you can see in the video there. Um, so that's so that I can start my own plants in there. And then behind us, which you can't see, is a refrigerator. And it's actually a trailer on wheels that's insulated and refrigerated. Um, and so part of being a, a tenant farmer, leasing land is everything that I bought in my mind needed to be mobile yeah. in case I needed to move to a new property. So having a refrigerator on wheels was... That was a good idea. Now, yeah. When no. I think of transient, I often don't think of a greenhouse and a, yeah. a, a moving that refrigerator. That greenhouse can be pulled right. I mean, you can take it apart. We did. I moved it from the old farm I was leasing to this one. So take it down in a couple of hours and right. then put it up in a day. And so yeah, and that. Shed, so I have a shed now for right. storage, and that's also you're getting kind of high flying. Now you got your own shed. Yeah. I mean, you're getting kind yeah, of big here. Yeah, but it's not attached to, to the ground. I can so also pick can, this up too. You can put it on the back of a truck and take it somewhere. Put um, you on a barge. We'll and, you. Yeah, and then of course there's uh, like what equipment are you going to use to work the soil? And actually, um, I don't know if you can catch it in the video, but that's my tractor. That little two wheel tractor right there. 
That's what we use to turn the soil on this acre. So two wheels and two feet. And you're telling me you have two employees. Yes. So So that's really exciting. Yeah. So Lindsay's working here uh, March through November. And then I hired a a summer helper college student to help us in the busy part of the season. I should mention that when I started the farm, when I moved home to Northern Kentucky, it was like the very beginning of 2014. And I was like, I'm going to do this by myself. You know, I can do it. It's a small farm. Um, And I did do everything myself, although I had a lot of support from my parents and my family who were really excited for me to move home after living away for several years. And they were just, like, ready to help me with whatever. And then I had a really, really good friend who um, called me a couple months after I moved home to start the farm, and he was like, I'm so sick of my office job. I miss being outside. Can I come? I know you're starting your farm and you need help. Can I come help you? And um, I was like, yes, please. (laughs) Because I had this idea I could do it all by myself. And I realized uh, it was much easier having somebody to help. And so he was inspired to come help just to learn more about growing food, but just to be outside. And um, so he he moved to northern Kentucky to help me for the summer is what he thought. And he ended up liking it so much that he stayed and farmed with me for four years. And he just moved home this season. He's from Utah. Okay. Uh, His name's Chris Piper. And he um, moved home to Utah to start his own farm. So, you know, it's really exciting. I miss him, of course. He's a dear friend of mine, but I'm so excited that 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 whole experience was inspirational enough that he decided he was going to start his own farm on his family's land. And, um, you know, we keep up by phone, but you know, one of the great things about social media is you can see photos of what other people are doing. And I like to follow a lot of farms and, um, you know, he has a Instagram and Facebook or whatever for his farm. And so getting to see pictures of what's happening out of his farm and he just picked some of his first vegetables of the season. So that's, you're like proud, right? Really You're, cool. yeah. I am, You're and proud. I just really I'm proud of, of him. And I, you know, you asked me a little bit ago, well, like the future, like what's next or the future yeah. of the farm. And it's like I said, it's exciting to think about um, not only what we can grow here, but like how can how can doing this inspire other people to to so feel, a teaching feel mission. to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was a teacher. I don't think I ever thought I would. Like be a teacher and it's a teacher maybe in a different way but I'm also like very open about like this is only my fifth year running a farm so I'm I'm still learning a a lot too so I can teach some stuff but part of this is just trying things and messing up and learning from those mistakes but that's part of it too is that you're not at a point where you think you know it all right you're like you're like I know I'm still you know and and no matter what age you are you know no matter how long you've done something is like where you're open to that yeah that creativity that's out there you know like oh I could could learn to do this or I could I could take this or something yeah and that's part of the fun of it right it's like not every day is different there's always a new challenge Mm -hmm. you know and if it's not like a challenge of like learning how to do something for the first time it's a challenge of like what did the you know, like we had a storm the other day that we had hail and, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it damaged some leafy greens and stuff. And it's like, oh, OK. Yeah. Now I got to think about hail and like that as a factor, you know, so. I would almost think you're, some of your chefs would want to buy that just for the novelty of yeah. a storm hits yeah. on a Tuesday yeah. and you're <laughs> eating it on yeah. Wednesday or something like yeah. here's a challenge. It's yeah. been chopped up, you know, like yeah. you know, the, the, what and, can you do? To be honest, the chefs are really like very um, and our CSA members are really mm. like. 
forgiving and they understand as long as like we communicate with them like hey we it's almost some... part of the experience though right yeah. i mean it's it's yeah you're not getting these it's not manufactured it's you're, you're not getting something that's all the same it's not the same right it's, it's and different. you're invested in you know i mean i feel like those people are invested in what we do on the farm and they understand that i can't control hail right but it's like oh so you need to move some lettuce like we'll help you out you know and i it's like the true sense of like what the word community means. Like, you know, I, I feel supported in many ways by the people that. Do they come out here? Have you had them Yeah, out? I've had some chefs out here to um, see the farm and a lot of them really like it. And I've had. That's kind of cool. They're taking it that like that yeah. serious too. Like, well, we can tell you where we got it yeah, from. Yeah. We've, and I've had a lot of re- more requests for people to come out here and I'm, t- I really love that aspect of it. But being a, such a small work crew and we're mm-hmm. like at the busy point of the season, I'm like, maybe I just need to like have a. Yes. A tour yeah. day rather than doing it like 10 different times over and over again. So, um, and like you guys have experienced, it's a really beautiful place to come out to and just oh, spend ins- some time. It's inspiring. So, yeah. I mean, you just walk and you're like, yeah. Wow. It's just, it's just kind of <laughs> I know. Away. And we're like tucked up here behind like a fisherman's bar and stuff too. People are like, where? Oh, I think that adds to it, by the way. I think that adds to the whole experience because we're, you know, we're driving through and we're like, are we in the right? Yeah. Let's find out. You yeah. know, and then and we see you're like from a, uh, that's got to be her, you know. Yeah. So I, mean, I think that's I think that's yeah. part of the whole experience yeah. that people want. Like, you know, I think if yeah. you're out, just I don't know. It was more obvious to take away some of the fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. and I don't know if we mentioned that on camera or not, but it's the land that I am renting. There's also a pay fishing lake here, and so there's like it's another business, and so right, it's really fun getting to see some of the fishermen come out here, and they're like, "What are you? What are you doing? What is going there? on out here? Yeah." yeah. So they're they're uh, they're here a few days a week, yeah. and then you're you're doing your yeah. thing all the time. So, yeah. well, hey, I I appreciate you taking the time to show us around and yeah. tell us, and it's yeah. exciting. It's well, it is it is beautiful. And yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, I, it was fun, and I when you guys reached out, I was excited because I I love our library system here in Boone County, and um, anything I can do to oh, well, help you, you guys out too. I mean, I. Uh, definitely since I started farming, you know, like, uh, it's, it's a great resource. I go and pick up books, but. You got a lot of census stuff if you want. Yeah. You know, know, you're maybe 1900, maybe you're kind of feeling down one day. You're like. days of like having the card in the book though. Cause you'd be like, I'm the only person that checked this out in the last five years. The more, I I, kind of sometimes wonder like, will we have a day like, actually there's, there's a county system in in Kentucky that still has just the, the cards. Yeah. And I kind of thought about that. I'm like. If you know, if you don't change long enough, you're going to become the coolest. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, be computers like are so boring. Yeah, yeah. Can I get a record player? Yeah, and can I get, you know, and I, I kind of think you're right. You do kind of that, or that. And it was interesting when you went there and you heard that sound yeah. of them, uh, you know, stamping yes. due dates, and you're like, kind of getting a little misty here, yeah. a little nostalgic. <laughs> it's like some old school stuff. So yes, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It kind of like kind of like being here. Yeah, you, you kind of see how things you know where the way they should be. So. Yeah, and I have to say, I for a while I was trying to hunt down an old like card catalog cabinet because I thought that would be a great thing to store mm-hmm. my seeds in. And yes. then I was like, dang, people, pay, those are expensive. People mm-hmm. pay a lot of money for yes. to have it as like an antique now. And then having there. said that, I hear uh, <laughs> there's a lot of libraries they're doing uh, seed collections. Oh, and that's exactly yes. what they're doing. Yeah, like they're a taking seed the old library. Yep, yeah. taking the seed library and doing that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. This was great. Thanks. Yeah.